Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. So I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave this word to your servant John to write down so long ago. We thank you that you preserved this word for us today. We pray now that as we reflect on your word, you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that this word would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I, uh, if, if we're talking, if I was talking to boys and girls earlier, this is not just for them, but for everybody, I'm wondering how many people have been to Disney World in Florida? How many people have been to Disney World? I have been to Disney World just once in my life. It was about eight years ago. And the thing that is amazing, Disney World is just, it's amazing. If you have never been, it's like, it's like no other place in its, in its perfection. Everything in Disney is just is just flawless. They have an incredibly large staff of people going on tunnels under the park all the time, making everything perfect. Everything, everything is spotless. There is no gum on the ground. There is no, the characters are always only in the right place. The rides are constantly moving. They give you these wristbands that you just tap anywhere and you get whatever you want, whenever you want. Of course, on the backside, they take lots of money off your credit card. But not, not worrying about that, when you're at Disney, you feel like everything is perfect. And that's why they call it the happiest place on earth. 
It is this, this place of perfection. And so often, that's, that's what we want our life to be. That is the vision of the perfect place. It's heaven on earth. It's, it's, it's everything works. Everything is smooth. Everything is fun. Everything is exciting. There are fireworks every night. And yet, we know that life is not like Disney. For that to happen, there has to be a whole army of people in underground tunnels making things happen. For that to happen, there has to be thousands of dollars coming off your credit card behind the magic wristbands. That's not how life works most of the time. We know that, and the people in the Bible knew that too. And we see there's actually a story where I'm going to take a step back from John for a minute to a story in the Old Testament about a man named Jacob. And this man, Jacob, he, had, he was having a, a, a dispute with his brother. His brother actually wanted to kill him with some good reason because Jacob had stolen things from him. And so they were having a dispute and Jacob had to run away from home. And when Jacob was running away from home, he was a little bit scared and he was sad and he was lonely and he went to sleep for the night and he took a rock and he put it under his head for a pillow and he laid his head on that rock and that night he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw heaven itself opened up and he saw a ladder from heaven to earth and he saw angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And Jacob woke up and he said, clearly, I was in the house of God and I did not know it. He actually left that rock there as an altar. It says he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. And he called the place Bethel, the house of God. And that was Jacob when he was not in a perfect place on, at all but he found that heaven had opened up and God had shown him favor and said, I will be with you. I will, I'm watching over you. So what does that have to do with John? See here in John, if you, if you pay attention to it, it sounds great. It sounds like a great story. Like, oh, they heard about Jesus and they followed him. And here was one disciple and he told another disciple and, oh, we're going, now we're going to follow Jesus. We found the Messiah. We found the King of Israel. It sounds wonderful. But if you pay attention to what the disciples are actually saying, it is actually not that perfect. When, he, when they follow him, Jesus turns around. This is verse 38. What are you seeking? And they said to him, what are you seeking? They followed him because John said, the, the Lamb of God. They're following him because they want a Savior. They want a Messiah. And when Jesus says, what are you seeking? They're like, uh, uh, where are you staying? Like, that's a weird question. That's like, that's like a fumble on the part of the disciples. They, they, they weren't willing to, they were afraid to say what they really wanted. They know what they wanted because after he takes them with them, after he says, come and you will see, and then Andrew goes to Simon Peter and says, we found the Messiah. That's what they were looking for, but they weren't quite willing to say it. Then we get another problem down a couple verses later when Philip finds Nathaniel. He's like, we found him. We found the guy, the guy Moses was talking about. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Talk about like racism, right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like the, the diminishment, the knocking down, like the contempt? The disciples were not in a good place here. They were not experiencing heaven on earth. But here's the big truth about God. Here's why Jacob is relevant. When it goes down and now Nathaniel comes, Philip says, come and see, come on, come on. Come meet Jesus. And what does Jesus say to Nathanael? He says, hey, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael's like, whoa. Especially because under the fig tree, he said something kind of mean. 
But anyhow, so he realizes that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. And what does Jesus say? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Just like Jacob, when he put his head on that rock back in the, will, back in the Old Testament, back long ago, and he first saw God, express his love to him and saw the angels, saw heaven open, ascending and descending on the ladder. Jesus says the main thing about God that we need to know here is that Jesus has brought heaven to earth. Jesus has brought heaven to earth. See, heaven on earth is not found in Disney World. Heaven on earth is found where Jesus is. When Jesus says the angels of God are ascending and descending on the Son of Man, now he's saying the place of God on earth is not Bethel, not the house of God, not the rock that your forefather Jacob set up and poured oil on. The house of God on earth is the Son of Man, is Jesus himself. Jesus has brought heaven to earth. That's the main truth about God. That's what we need to learn here from John. That's what John wants us to know. That's what John wants us to believe. When he said to Nathaniel, oh, you believe now, this is what he wants us to believe, that Jesus has brought heaven to earth. So what do we do with that? If the truth is that Jesus has brought heaven to earth, the main thing we do with that is we have to open our eyes to see him. This passage is all about sight. Sight, why does the rock have glasses on it? Because if we don't see properly, if we don't have our glasses on to see rightly, it looks like just a rock. But when we put our glasses on, we can see that the rock reminds us that Jesus has brought heaven to earth. We need to open our eyes to see the magnitude of what that means. So what, what, is Je what do we need to see about Jesus here? When he says, come and see, what do we need to see? There's three things we learn about Jesus. That Jesus brought heaven to earth. Three things that means. First is that Jesus invites us to explore. He invites us, come and see. Second, that Jesus calls us to follow. It's an invitation, but it's also a call to follow him. And third, that Jesus sees us as we actually are. Jesus invites us to explore. Jesus calls us to follow. And Jesus sees us as we really are. So first, Jesus invites us to explore. This is the, the beauty of it. The disciples fumbled the question, as I said earlier. They say, oh, well, where are you staying? And he says, come and you will see. He invites them in. He doesn't make fun of them. He doesn't push them away. He says, come on, come on and you will see. Now, literally, you'll see where he's staying. But of course, they don't care where he's staying. They want to know what he's doing. Who is he? They want to follow him. So he invites them in with grace and compassion. And then Philip, having been crowned by Jesus, then Philip goes and makes the same offer. He says, come and see. Come and see. That's what he says to Nathaniel. Even when Nathaniel criticizes, even when Nathaniel expresses his prejudices, Philip says, come on, come and see. Just come and see. It's the invitation of grace. And it's the invitation that Jesus offers to all of us. Come and see. Even if we doubt, even if we're sad, even if we're struggling, Jesus comes to us in grace. He says, come on, come and see. And he will do amazing things when we step forward and see him. You may have heard, uh, he's, he's getting a little older now, but uh, 
he's still reasonably well-known, a man named Lee Strobel. He was a little bit more popular when I was younger, uh, in the 90s and, and early 2000s. But Lee Strobel, was, uh, and he was a, a lawyer and a journalist. And he was, a, he was a, a hardcore atheist. He did not believe in God. And he, was, he, kind of, he just was living life on his own, trying to have as much pleasure as he could. But then, when Lee, Lee he was married, and his wife, her, their neighbor kept inviting her to go to church. And so finally, his wife went to church, and his wife actually became a Christian. She went to church, she heard about Jesus, and she was like, yes, this is what I need. And Lee Strobel was like, whoa, what am I going to do now? I did not mean to be married to a Christian. This is not, this is not what I signed up for. And he was, he was a, a, a very sharp thinker. He was a lawyer. He was a journalist. And so Lee Strobel was like, all right, I'm going to come, and I'm going to prove that this is wrong. I'll come to church with you, and I'm going to prove this is wrong. <laughs> Lee went to church, and he was like, well, that's, that's kind of interesting. And so he set out on an 18-month quest to try to disprove Christianity. And he went and interviewed. He went and interviewed all the experts about the evidence for Jesus, that Jesus had really existed, that there had really been a resurrection. And Lee Strobel goes, and he interviews all these people. And at the end of it, he makes this list on his legal pad, because he's a lawyer and a journalist. He's got all the pros and cons. And he's looking at the list, and he's like, at the end of the day, it would take more faith to not believe in Jesus than to believe in Jesus. He said, the evidence is overwhelming. And Lee Strobel became a Christian. And he quit being a lawyer, he quit being a journalist, and he became a Bible teacher, and he started writing books. I'm not saying that if you become a Christian, you have to become a Bible teacher. That's just what, what Strobel did. He wrote a famous, the most famous book that, that kind of is his autobiography is called The Case for Christ. And he lays out all these experts that he talked to and all that he found. But the key thing for us is that Lee Strobel followed Jesus' invitation. Jesus says, come and see. And Strobel's like, okay, I'll see. And even though he went into it with skepticism, even though he went into it with straight disbelief, trying to disprove it, Jesus met him in that. How much more if you want to believe, if you want it to be true? And there's so many ways that you can explore There's so many opportunities right here in Resurrection Community. What can you do to explore? You can can dig in in our discipleship hour to explore more of who Jesus is. You can get involved in a community group to be around other people to explore what it means to be part of community. If you're saying, yeah, I'm not quite ready for that yet, you can get involved. From time to time, we do Christianity Explored. It's a seven-week course. No pressure, not hardcore, just looking at the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Mark. And explore for yourself. Ask your questions. See who he really is. Kids, if you're not, you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't go to community group. That's up to my parents for them to take me. But there are things you can do to explore. One of the things I am most grateful for in my life, you know what you have, children, that adults don't have? You have time. You have time. You have time to read, time to learn. One of the things I am most grateful for is that when I was in middle school, I read the whole Bible because I had time. More time then than I do now. Now I'm like, can I find a few minutes to read? I mean, I have a job that lets me do it, but, but you get the point. But you have time to dig in, to read your Bible, to spend time to enjoy coming to community group, to enjoy coming to discipleship hour, to pay attention and learn at those times. You can dig in and explore. And once Jesus invites us to explore, 
It's, it's an invitation of grace. It's an invitation of sympathy. But then Jesus calls us to follow. He doesn't just leave it at the invitation. It's a command. He goes to Philip, verse 44. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Come on, Philip. You've, you've explored. Now come on. Come on and let's do this. And what happens when we follow Jesus? First, we have to respond to that command. But what does Philip do? He becomes exactly like Jesus. Jesus says, come on, Philip, follow me. And what is the first thing Philip do? He's like, come on, Nathaniel. Come on, come and see. He gives the same invitation to Nathaniel that Jesus did. See, when we follow Jesus, we become like him and we do the things that he did. So we have to learn about the life of Jesus as we're exploring, and then we follow him. We try to do the same things as him. We try to show kindness to other people. We try to not hit back when people hit us, whether they physically hit us or whether they emotionally hit us or verbally hit us or kind of go around behind our back and say, you know what? I can be sad about that and I can need help for that and I can even deal, address them appropriately about that, but I'm not going to hit back. I'm not going to go passive aggressive and say like a little comment here and a little comment there. I'm not going to try to get them back by gossiping to somebody else. I'm not going to punch them back just because they punched me. So we can be like Jesus in the way that we forgive other people and we turn to him for our help and for our protection. We can be like Jesus in the way that we put other people first, that we're not being selfish, that we're not just looking out for what we want, but we're thinking about what other people want. And we can be like Jesus in that we invite others to come and see. As we're moving from here to the rec center as a church for our worship service, there's a lot of reasons we're doing that. I've talked about in other places and other times. Uh, and I'm, we're, as many of you are, I'm very excited to go back there or to there for the first time for some of you. It'll be good for us as a church. But one of the opportunities of that is to invite others to come and see. It's a bigger space, more space for children. More, it's, for some people might say it's at a better time. And some of you are saying, yeah, that'll be nice. Others who aren't here are saying, yeah, it would be nice if I could come at 11.15. So you can invite other people to come and see. Come and see. I, I can't always explain it. But when I go to church on Sunday morning, I meet God there. Something you should check out. I have found a community there. I found a family there. I think you could use that kind of community and family too. Just come and see. Come and explore. That's how we can follow Jesus, to invite others in. Whether we're big or whether we're small. We can invite people at any age. Say, come and see. Come and see. Come and see my church. Come and see what God has there. Jesus invites us to explore. He calls us to follow. But then perhaps the best news of this is that Jesus sees us as we really are. When Jesus brought heaven to earth, he sees us as we are. That's the theme here is Jesus is saying, come and see, is also that Jesus sees us. We really need the glasses to see Jesus properly. Jesus don't need any glasses to see us. He sees us exactly as we are. We see that in two places here in the passage. The first, the most clear, coming toward the end there, as I've already mentioned, is when he saw Nathanael. He saw him under the fig tree. And he said, truly, here is an Israelite in whom there is, a, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Which is kind of funny because he is commending Nathanael for his honesty. But there's also perhaps a little dig at the fact that Nathaniel was making bad comments about Nazareth. Just, just straight up Nathaniel, no deceit there. 
Hard to say for sure. But Jesus saw Nathanael, the good and the bad. Jesus saw Peter. When he met, this is in verse 30, 42, he brought, uh, Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Of course, we look at that and we're like, what does Peter mean? The answer to this is Cephas, it's a language thing. Cephas is in Aramaic. Peter is in Greek. The New Testament was primarily written in Greek. So when he says, you shall be called Cephas, that was in the language Aramaic, which in Greek means Peter. But both of those, what do they actually mean? They mean rock. They mean rock. Jesus looked at Peter. He said, I see who you are. I see who you are. Peter, you are a rock. You are a rock. You will be a, a, a and he says this explicitly in other places, that Jesus, Peter will be a rock for the church. He will, be, he will be a little bit thick at times, a little bit hard-headed. Peter is not perfect, but he will stand firm ultimately, and he will follow Jesus. And so he looks at Peter, he says, I see your potential. I see your shortcomings to Peter and Nathaniel. I see your shortcomings, I see your failings, but I also see who you really are. And Peter, I'm going to say you're a rock. Because in me, a rock is not just something to lay your head on because you have no pillow at night like it was for Jacob in the wilderness. But a rock for me, this is the rock of Jesus. The rock upon which Jesus has come to earth and brought heaven to earth. And so we can see clearly and we can see the rock that is Jesus. That Jesus sees us for who we are. He sees all our sins and shortcomings. And yet, he came and died for us anyway. He brought heaven to earth that he might die for our sins, that he might see us, he might invite us in to explore, to see, to believe that he is the son of God and to respond to him, to follow him and to realize who we really are as rocks that can stand up in all the storms of life and be the place where we represent now. I said, Jesus, where is heaven on earth? It's where Jesus is. Well, where is Jesus now? Jesus is in heaven. So where is heaven on earth now? It is in God's people. Where the people of God are, where Jesus has put his image, where Jesus has made us to be like him, where people are gathered together following Jesus, that is where the ladder from heaven is open. And heaven has come to earth in the people of Jesus, the people who've had their sins forgiven by Jesus, who walk in freedom and hope in love and care. Come and see. Come and see if this is who you want to be. Come and see if you want to go deeper with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us, that you give us everything we need. We thank you that Jesus came to bring heaven to earth, that we might open our eyes to see. We pray that you would help us do that more and more each day this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.